Well, good evening. I'm Rick Dancer. Welcome to Get Real with Rick Dancer. And I didn't even have a plan, a show plan tonight because we had one today at noon. And then I got wind of something going on in Salem, two somethings going on in Salem. And I said, oh, no, 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 no. We're not going to have that happen without our viewers and other Oregonians finding out what's going on. And so we have invited Representative Werner Reschke from Klamath Falls, the southern part of Oregon. That is still in Oregon, right? That For is now. correct. It is in Oregon, yes. And then uh, House Republican leader Christine uh, Drazen, and she has been with us before. Christine, thanks for being here. So you guys are wrapping up. You're supposed to be out of out of the shop by Sunday, by law, aren't you? Thank goodness. <laughs> <laughs> you just got dropped a whole bunch of stuff on your desk, and you are. That's what you get for being the big cheese in the party, you know. <laughs> you know, it is. It's an awful lot of behind the scenes, backroom deals, and then all of a sudden it's public and everybody scurries around to see uh, what what was left from their commitments and if their communities are going to be well served. And it's a lot. It's a lot. And the people who are kind of pulling the strings inside that building, you say, hey, can we take a look a little, you know, can we keep talking about this and can we make more of this public? And that's just not how they operate. So it's all public now. Anybody can go online and look through the 100 plus pages and see how they're spending millions and millions and millions of dollars. I mean, our budget's what, 80 plus billion dollars? And an awful lot of it is posted as of today. So how big is the surplus? You know, um, it was a billion over the original surplus in our last revenue forecast. And so uh, all, all in, I mean, after this budget cycle, it's not really surplus. Once you balance to it, you've spent it. And that's where we're going to be at moving forward is that we will be having to chase money. I mean, these budgets are are going to blow people's minds how much money is going to go out the door. Like, I'm going to move you just for a sec. I'm going to put you where I am and then I can bring up names and it doesn't cover you up. I want to. Is Oregon still in a deficit? No, no. we're not. No, we're over a billion dollars in. in um an extra. Mm -hmm. And that's why we're talking about this tonight, because there is a bill. Let's talk about Senate Bill 139, because it passed the House this week, right? It, it passed the Senate okay. last week and then was in the House uh, Committee on Revenue on Monday and passed out of the committee. It will be on the floor either tomorrow or Friday, the House floor. So this is I just saw something written on Facebook. It was by uh, the business uh, organizations, and they're just saying this is going to really hurt a lot of uh, a lot of businesses. It's thirty million dollars, right? Talk to me. Want to talk to me about how that works? Right. So so uh, just kind of a little background. In 2013, there was this thing called the grand bargain, and part of that grand bargain, there were a lot of pieces, but one of the pieces was to help spur job growth. And the way they decided to do that was to give businesses making less than $5 million, up to $5 million, you get a special tax rate for pass-through entities, so S-Corps, LLCs, partnerships. And uh, so they did that. They put in a special tax structure. So those businesses that made uh, up to a $5 million in profit could keep more of that money to hire more people. Um, so that was, the key, that was the whole, the reason for doing that was so more Oregonians would get back to work. 
Right. Because again, 2013, you have to think it was the Obama administration. We were kind of in this kind of economic melees for year after year mm -hmm. after year. And Oregon's economy follows the national average. So when the economy in the nation is good, we're actually better, usually better. And when the economy is worse, we're usually worse. So we were kind of in this melees with the rest of the nation. And this was something to help spur job growth. So they're cutting the pro this parts out of this program now. What are they doing? Oh, that's right. the plan. That's what's passed so far. Right. So, so today, uh, if you make, let's say you made six million dollars in profit as a LLC or a, uh, a S corp, etc., uh, you would get up the first five million dollars. You'd have some special rates, and then the the, the last million, that six million dollars, you would pay the top top rate of nine point nine percent that that big corporations pay. Under this new program, uh, they, they changed the rate structure a little bit, and they also kick a lot of people out. So if you make $6 million in profit uh, after this goes into effect, you can't take advantage of any of the rates. You're out. Mm -hmm. Another thing they've done is said, if you're making more profit in uh, this special rate structure, you have to hire a certain number of employees. Mm -hmm. Otherwise, you're out. So, um, and then you have to also reinvest 75% of the profit back into the business, or again, you can't use these rates. So it really restricts what businesses can do and how flexible they can be. I'm, I'm a former business owner. And so if I were, uh, if I could find a way to make more profit, say by finding a new supplier or a new process that saves me money, that'd be great. But now I could get kicked out of the program because I don't hire enough people or reinvest it back in the company. And Rachel, so if you really look at this from my perspective on this, I mean, it's a goal is to support small businesses. The smaller you are, the less likely you are to be able to afford to hire folks, right? Like right. if you're just starting out, if you're trying to build and grow, you might not be able to afford to necessarily bring people on, especially with all the new requirements Oregon has around labor and, you know, what we require of people for benefits and all that kind of stuff to bring people on. It's expensive. It's difficult. It's risky. So if you are on the smaller end of things in Oregon and you can't afford to bring people on, then you are also kicked out of this out of this process. And so that's the weird thing to me about their thinking is that I think that they're assuming that you're not hiring people because you're just rich and grubby. You know, you just want more money for yourself. But in a lot, but if you but if you aren't hiring people, in a lot of cases, it's you can't afford to hire people, and your margins are too thin, and you're working too hard, and you just can't you can't pull it off. Your overhead's too much. You know, there's reasons why people don't expand right. and hire employees. And I think that this actually has has a pathway here to take those people who aren't able to grow and expand and hire folks and and give them a higher tax rate. That that will actually stifle growth. Yeah. Right. I, I, so, it's, so it's going to turn out where people are going to hire. The whole idea behind the program sounds to me like it was so that to encourage hiring more people, people to grow, grow your business. Because I think people look at this and go, OK, a five million dollar company. Well, wow, that's pretty good. Well, I'm not anywhere near a million dollar company, but I pay four thousand a month in Oregon taxes for business. Four thousand dollars of what I make. And I don't think people that don't have businesses understand until you've done it. When Carolyn Chambers at KZI signed my check, I didn't have any reason to wonder what this was going on. As soon as Rick Dancer had his own business, you start going, oh my God, and you have to have a business or you can't deduct anything. So 
I think when people see $5 million, oh, that's a lot of money. It's These are up to $5 million. So this is somebody making $2 million. That's jack-in-the-box. That's companies like that that are trying to grow. It's not Techtronics or Nike or people like that, you know? Right. Oh, I was going to say the two things I have uh, problems I have with this uh, bill and per se is one, there's no policy objective behind the extra revenue. Mm -hmm. So nobody said we need this 30 million or 40 million dollars or 60 million dollars for X. They just want 30, 40, 60 million dollars more. So there's no mm -hmm. policy objective, which is causes me concern. And then the second one is. 75% of the businesses that take advantage of these special rates make a profit of $250,000 or less. And in this bill, they get no relief, no help. Everything stays the same. And these are the businesses that were hurt worse during our pandemic and the government yeah. lockdown. Mm -hmm. So we're not, we had an opportunity to change the rate structure and actually help those businesses, the 75% that are in this, this tax structure, and we are doing absolutely nothing for them. The smallest so we, get nothing. Yeah. So when we hear, you know, the governor and, the, and people talking and saying, oh, we're, we need to take care of businesses and stuff like that, you know, it's, it's like, I guess it's double speak. As I like, here's here's what we're saying publicly, but behind the back, behind the curtain, um, you know, it's just a little thirty million dollars out of a program. That how many of those families are are stuck with that? You know, are, are depending on that? Okay, now let's get to the really even more irritating one, um, Warner. You have a bill that you've introduced, um, and and uh, this <laughs> I'm going to let you explain. This is just absolutely insane to me. So. Now, I want all my viewers, I want you to listen carefully because this is your stimulus check money. Remember that the federal government took nothing out of? Well, guess what? Um, Oregon has these grubby little hands and they're digging into your stimulus. Oh, I thought that was $1,200 for me. Well, no. In a year when Oregon has over a billion dollars more than it needs, it wants to get a little more out of your squeaky wallet. So Warner, tell, tell me how your bill would work and tell me, and Christine, if you guys just pop in, you guys are the experts. I'm just here to throw a little fire. So there were actually three bills. Uh, there was first House Bill 3383 on the House side. I think Senator Anderson also had a Senate bill. I don't require, recall the number. And then House Bill 2434 at the time uh, were a way to give back Oregonians their money that were overtaxed. So due to a quirk in Oregon's tax code, stimulus checks got taxed by the state of Oregon. So, and this issue was known back in May of 2020. So over a year ago, we knew about this problem. And because of this problem, the stimulus checks that came through the CARES Act and also through Biden's ARPA uh, program, it's the, the state of Oregon collected roughly $300 million extra out of Oregonians' wallets. $300 million out of your st stimulus checks, mm -hmm. Oregon. And, and in a year when we have a surplus and they're still taking it back. They're, and so this bill would do what? It would restore that to people? This bill would basically, uh, when you filed your 22, 2021 tax returns in 2022 by April 15th, 2022, when you filed that, it would automatically calculate how much 
the state of Oregon over collected and returned that money to you. Do you know how much that, I mean, not that it matters. I, I, I guess it does, you know, it's $70 here, a hundred dollars there. What, you know, it's, yeah, it's, it's between 70 and $300. And for some people that's not a lot of money, but for other people that could be a week's worth of groceries. Yep. So, you know, it, 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 this, this whole thing disproportionately affects those in the lower income. So when you ask um, your cohorts in the legislature, um, do, do you remember we had this pandemic and remember all the things that happened to people in Oregon this year? And remember how we ask Oregonians to pull together with us and we get through this. And it, I know it's really, really hard, but we're going to get through this and we'll, we'll have programs and the federal government's going to be sending money. And now you're taking some of that money um, and to you, to the state in the big picture, 300 million is nothing compared to the billion they have in surplus. And that 300 million going back and not just to say goodwill, but just to say, hey, it's our money yeah. and it should be coming back to us. What did you what is it is what's the excuse? I don't get it. It makes no sense. I'm a former news guy. I would be if I was in the media, I'd be asking all kinds of questions about this because it makes no sense. And it is a very hip, it's very hypocritical. I start to feel a little bit like the people that operate inside the legislative process, the people that kind of pull the levers and the switches and the dials there, I think they've lost touch. You know, that they honestly might believe that people won't care or that they don't want their money or that somehow the state should hold on to it. The state will do better things with it. You know, that there's some version of crowdsourcing that they're entitled to <laughs> when it comes to people's money. And yeah, I, I just, I really think they're out of touch because the people that Werner and I talk to, the people that reach out to us are saying, could you guys just let us be? We're doing the absolute best we can. This has been hard. We have done our part. Why doesn't the state give us a break? And right. we're led by folks in Oregon that I think have lost touch with hardworking Oregonians out there that don't that are just going about their business and assuming that the state's going to do the right thing. And most of the time, it takes an awful lot of advocacy and an awful lot of pushing to get these folks to do the right thing. Paul I says, what does the average Joe do? Um, it's very unfair to poor people. And Paul, just so you know, I know who you are and you're not an average Joe anyway. He's a very good saxophone player. But anyway. <laughs> What does, he, what, does the, what does a regular Oregonian do um, to, to, to fight back and without being called, <laughs> you know, one of the numerous council culture names we've come up with now? I think, I think there's still time. I mean, I've seen a bill move in this building. When, when it becomes a priority, a bill can move through the session in one day. We often have special sessions that are one day and we move several bills in one day. And we're at that time of session right now that if the majority party really wanted to move this and really wanted to help Oregonians, they could move it. So we've teed it up for them, let them have it, and they're just sitting on it right now. Um, but I, I would remember this come 2022. And, and just to make a kind of a, a side point is this is what happens when you have one party rule. Yep. You don't have uh, a real good discussion. You kind of have one party rule, one way of thinking. 
And uh, that's why uh, redistricting coming up in September is so important for our state to rebalance our state so that we can have these conversations and figure out the best path for all Oregonians, not just some of them. Christine, where are we at with that redistricting process? Because that's when we had you on last time. And I honestly, I believe just from running for Secretary of State, this is the single biggest issue for fairness, not for the Republican Party, because no offense, but I don't really care, but for fairness in Oregon to, yeah. to bring back fairness. Because if people don't understand, we don't just have a majority, we have a super majority. Mm-hmm. So we have one party rule, like, like Warner was saying, but it's because we as Oregonians have not paid attention to the redistricting process and what that really means. So Christine, take the floor yeah. and talk to them about that. Yeah, so let, yeah, let's, ca- let's catch everybody up on that. So when we were here last, we were talking about a nonpartisan independent commission. And I drafted a bill to advance that in the, in the legislature. And Democrats put it in a round file and uh, refused to have the hearing, refused to allow it to move forward. In the meantime, we had the opportunity to push the issue and have an appointment made to the legislative committee to at least make it even on the House side. So it's tied right now. So the members of the committee are three Democrats, three Republicans on the House side, which means here's why people should care. There's a slim chance that that, that those maps will be fair maps now and that they will not be gerrymandered because we will hold the Democrats accountable. Democrats will hold Republicans accountable and we will not be able to get a bill out of that committee unless it follows the law and the lines are fair and they allow for representation of Oregonians. That's meaningful. When I say that, I mean, you know how some of these districts are. I mean, they reach into urban areas to try to, you know, make sure it's a Democrat seat. If you look at statewide races, usually in a statewide race, there's a Democrat, there's a Republican for the most part, sometimes third party candidates. And the Republican will come within, you know, three or four points of that Democrat. The Democrat will win, but it's not a landslide in most cases. In our supermajorities in the legislature, we know these lines are gerrymandered because they hold a supermajority in both chambers. You don't get that done unless you draw funky lines because right. that doesn't actually represent the voting behaviors of Oregonians. And Oregon is a really split state. Yes. Because, yes, there are more Democrats than Republicans, but the independents and the non affiliated voters are what's growing in the state. And yes. they are not on either. They're right there in the center of this whole thing. So there's no way. So when you were talking, I, I didn't hear quite here. Did you say with this, the way it's set up, that there is a good chance that we'll get something fair out of that? You know, we got a shot. We have a shot. I mean, so- you cannot move the bill out of a committee without one side or the other agreeing to it because it's equal. And you're not and I'm not going to move a map that's not fair. I'm not going to vote for them if it's not fair, which means they're going to have they're going to have to not gerrymander if they want a bill out of that committee. And, you know, this is why the congressional Democrats are so, so, so mad right now at Tina Kotek. They're calling her names. They're yelling at her. They're saying that what she did was stupid because they wanted to gerrymander our district lines. They want gerrymandered maps. And the Democrats are so furious that this equal committee has a chance to prevent that, that they're they're calling her out on national publications. So what should people do? And that's Tina, That's is that who they're, they're doing? They're calling her out, they're mad at her? 
They are mad at her because she appointed a committee that was even because that well, was, we made a negotiated deal. She stuck to her part of the deal. She made the committee even. And they're so furious. Can what can people in my audience do to to encourage maybe it's write something to her and to thank her for doing you know for now doing the right thing. Lines. yes that's what we need and, and and so see guys it's not always about like being rude it's like in fact it never is about being rude but it's about going in and saying thank you for setting up this fair process and then make sure that all six people on that committee know that you're watching all six of them, Republicans and Democrats, because for those of you who don't know, and I learned this from Christine last time, which I've been using this a lot, just so you know, in my re redistricting comments, if I was running for secretary of state, I'd have a whole new thing, but it's in Portland, you got Portland here. Okay. And then here's all the rural areas. So you're supposed to be in like-minded kind of people. So you'd think Portland would be maybe a few districts like this, and then you'd have, you know, Clas Clackamas County and Boring and places like that. Well, they have this, and then 18 different places spear out, and they come into Portland to water it down. So it waters down the rural voters, and then it makes it so they get they, the anybody that's, you know, out in the rural areas, their vote really isn't counting because it's all coming back into Portland, which waters it down. And the same thing happens in my neighborhood, which I live out in the country, and they have me fingered into University of Oregon and South Eugene. Now I have friends and family and wonderful people that I love dearly that live in those neighborhoods, but we're not really on the same kind of page in terms of how things affect rural. When their power goes out, they still have water. When my power goes out, I don't have water. So we have different mindsets. And yet my I am tied in with all those people. And you guys, that's how they did this. And we have to, as Oregonians, turn that around. And Christine and, and Werner have given us some ways that we can do that. Mm -hmm. um, Rick, they also need to hold the speaker accountable. So as your as your guys communicate with her, here's what's gonna happen next. The committee she's appointed, this is a little technical, so stick with me. The committee she's appointed is a session committee. And as we mentioned, we're gonna be out of session in a couple of days. She's gonna to have to reappoint that committee for the interim and for our special session that's gonna happen in September. We need her to stick with an equal representation on that committee when she reappoints it for the interim and for that upcoming special session. It's, a, it's this sliver of opportunity for there to be some games and some shenanigans. And we need her to stick with the deal, do the right thing, and maintain equal representation on that committee, even even though she faces national pressure. Yeah. So I, I, would you? I, I, I just I just wanted to pop in with one number here, or one statistic that really showed me how out of balance our current district maps are. So there are uh, in Oregon, thirty nine percent of registered voters are Democrats, and yet they represent sixty two percent of your legislature. So again, 39% are Demo registered Democrats, and yet 62% of the legislature are Democrats. That's how to out of balance we are. They have yeah. a 10% edge over Republicans statewide, 10%. And, and the legislature doesn't reflect it because of how poorly these maps have been drawn. Yeah. So would you do me a favor and let me know, Christine, when you, um, when this gets closer as shenanigans start to happen or or even before that, because what I'd like to do is do some stuff and ahead of time to encourage that process mm -hmm. to move forward. So our viewers can come on and encourage people to do things. So we get it before it becomes a problem. Would you do that? I would love to do that. You know, we're going to do a statewide in-person tour, you know, like COVID never happened, like COVID was so yesterday. We're going to be out in the in communities, seeing people face to face, none of this online stuff. 
And we would love, love, love to have your viewers come out and talk about what they want to see for their district lines, like okay. where communities of interest, what do they care about? And, and there's going to be opportunity to do that. We're going to have about six days worth of traveling around the whole state. Lots and lots and lots of community opportunity for kind of in-person engagement. We'd love to have your folks there. Okay. So before you start that, can you give somebody from the, the D side and yourself, and then we'll have both of you on here and have this really nice fairness conversation um, oh, and to get people out. Okay. If you get that end of it, we'll get mm -hmm. Andrew on that. That'll Mr. be so Fong, good. You are now assigned to do this. I know I, don't, I know I am not a legislator. I just pretend to be one online. <laughs> I couldn't win, so now I just do it myself. <laughs> All right, you guys, thank you so much for taking your time. Christine, get back to your work. Uh, good luck getting out of there. I hope you get out on Friday, but we'll see what happens. All right, good to see All you. Right. Got you. Thanks, you guys. All right, there you go. So uh, you are now informed. You now understand better. So, um, yes, uh, the, the state legislature wants $300 million out of your pocket. And more than likely, they're going to try to take that. And uh, they're already probably going to get through another $30 million out of uh, smaller businesses. Um, and they have a surplus this year. This is important stuff. I'm not a Republican or a Democrat. I'm a non-affiliated voter. And so don't use labels to try to discredit what I'm talking about. Somewhere in your heart, somewhere in your soul, you know this is not right. This is not right. You don't put people through a pandemic. You don't lock them down for 14 months and then take away three because of a little error. Oh, there's more money. You don't do that. You give it back because it's ours. It's Oregonians money. And that's how you do it. And then you get involved in this redistricting because if you don't, if we don't get involved in this process, we have, we have nothing to bitch about. Nothing because apathy is the enemy. The, the Democrats aren't the enemy. The Republicans aren't the enemy. Even the process isn't the enemy. It's the apathy in Oregon. It, it's been going on for 30 years and getting us here, and this is where we're at. So if you want change, stop bitching and start doing something about it. All right, share this on your page so other people know this is going on and get involved as well. Uh, we will be back tomorrow night with... Um, Oh, we're going to be at BMX Bikers uh, in town, and Elements Fitness is going to give them a bunch of money to help their, their squad do what they do. So we'll be having kind of a light, fun show for the end of the week. All right. I'm Rick Dancer. Thanks for being with us, and I will see you tomorrow night right here, 5 o'clock. Have a good day.